You are listening to Legion of Substitute Podcasters, episode 360. Superboy meets heroes of the future. This week, he meets Robin. Podcasters, episode 360. I'm on my own for this one because everyone else is at conventions and stuff. So that's the way it's going to be. And and I know I kind of do the quiet voice, but that's usually because when I do these ones, it's really late at night and I don't want to wake up the family. There's a little peek behind the curtain. Um, all right, so this week, uh, going to continue looking at uh, some of the, the Superboy team-ups. And, uh, and right now I'm mainly using the greatest uh, team-up stories ever told. Uh, this one is Superboy, the greatest team-up stories ever told. In fact, that being the full title. As opposed to just, just starting like one word in and, uh, and going from there. Um, this story actually, and I, and I didn't realize this when I, when I chose it, but there's a, there's a subtle... Subtle tie-in? Yeah, I don't even know if that's subtle. There's a tie-in to the fact that it is Labor Day weekend. And that lies in the um, the writer, Dave Wood. So Dave Wood, and, and it's interesting, I, I couldn't find a whole lot of information on him, but he was one of Bob Kane's ghostwriters. And um, along with that, he co-created Animal Man with Carmine Infantino. And... It's there's eh, there's some confusion, um, but it seems that he is one of the people that they talk about having created the uh, challenges of the unknown, uh, along with Jack Kirby. Various sources credit the group as the sole creation of Kirby. Some say it's a co-creation with uh, with writer Dave Wood, or a co-creation with Kirby's former partner Joe Simon. Um, uh, George Milo from the uh, uh, issue of the Comics Journal uh, seemed to believe that it was uh, uh, that he was created along with Dave Wood. But again, there's some confusion as to the sources. So even if we leave that one aside, he not only did he create Animal Man, but he also uh, co-created Mister Freeze. So there you go. It's all his fault for the Batman and Robin movie. It's not his fault. It's not his fault. I think we can lay that all squarely at the feet of Joel Schumacher. Um, but here's something else you might not know about Dave Wood. Well, actually, maybe you do know it. Um, and, and this comes from Dial B for Blog, um, which is dialbforblog.com. And they talk about, uh, as we know, um, DC Comics was sold in 1967. Uh, in 1968, longtime DC writers Otto Binder, John Broom, Arnold Drake, Bill Finger, Gardner Fox, Bob Haney, Francis Heron, and Dave Wood uh, confronted DC management in hopes of securing higher page rates, medical insurance, and some sort of retirement plan. The only artist involved was Kurt Schaffenberger, and the fact that there was only one artist involved actually really limited their bargaining power. So when Jack Leibowitz, uh, he basically stalled them, and so they attempted to form a union. And, uh, and as John Broom once wrote in a letter to Julie Schwartz, after 25 years of acquiescence, the volcano finally exploded. So 
DC management reacted to by freezing out the union agitators. So they started slowly driving these writers out of the company. Um, and uh, and in 69, when Kinney, who owned it, uh, bought, bought Warner Brothers, this, of course, made DC part of a huge national conglomerate, and most of them were now gone. And so Gardner Fox told Batmania magazine uh, that he said, we, we're out on our necks, and other writers were brought in. And, um, and some of this new talent included Ditko, Kirby, um, because they came over to DC in, in 70. And um, in that year, um, longtime Superman family editor, Mort Weisinger, retired, bringing a close to the Silver Age of Comics. Uh, so to speak. So, uh, so Dave Wood was part of that group, and uh, if anyone else has any other stories, I would I would love to hear them. Um, yeah, it's always interesting to hear about some of these guys who you know helped create uh, the DC universe. Um, so he wrote, wrote numerous numerous stories, um, obviously uh, for Batman, and so that makes sense that he would be part of this one. Um, this story in particular comes from Adventure Comics number 271 from April 1960 and it is drawn uh, by a April 1960? No, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Adventure Comics number 253 from October 1958. I'm teasing for later because I'm going to do the, the one from April 1960 which is how Luthor met Superboy but I'm not going to do that yet. I read the long, wrong line in the book. That is all. So yes, Superboy meets Robin the Boy Wonder from Adventure Comics number 253 from October 1958. Writer Dave Wood, artist Al Plastino. So uh, we start off on the splash uh, page where we see the bat signal and there's like a big mechanized robot. Um, I suppose all robots are mechanized really when you get down to it. Uh, but this one is um, breaking the window of a jewelry store and uh, uh, Superboy flies up to where the bat signal is and Robin says, I knew you'd answer the bat signal, Superboy, just as you'll answer it in the future for Batman and me when you're a Superman. Yes, two of the most famous youngsters are Superboy and Robin the Boy Wonder, but because Superboy is of the past and Robin of the present, it is impossible for the two boys to meet. But the impossible suddenly became possible. That's right, that's what it does. Uh, as Robin and Superboy team up to become the most astonishing crime-fighting combination the underworld has ever faced how this happens and why is revealed in this story of the year this was the story of the year self-proclaimed admittedly but it says as superboy meets robin the boy wonder yes all right uh so we have superboy uh being greeted by pete groff who is the owner of smallville's largest stadium I think it's impressive enough that Smallville has any stadium, let alone so many as to consider one of them the largest. Um, so uh, he says, uh, I love this. You wanted to talk to me, Mr. Groff? Super old pal, I've made plans, big plans, for my most super colossal production yet, a Smallville science fair. But I'll need your help to put it over. I'm inviting three famous scientists here to study you in action and make a super a scientific report on how you use your superpowers. Great gimmick, eh? As he blows cigar smoke into Superboy's face. He says, can you imagine the publicity it'll bring? And the crowds? I'll make our little town, town famous. Well, how about it, super old pal? And he says, oh, all right, I'll do it if it'll help Smallville. So here we are uh, a week later. 
and Superboy is in his secret citadel dusting trophies from past exploits. And he says, well, today's opening day of the science fair, so I better get over there now. And uh, by the way, they say in the editor's note, this is not the fortress he will have as Superman, but a secret room under the Kent home. Um, and suddenly a puff of smoke. He says, great, Scott, a figure materializing in the cave. It's a boy, a masked boy in a costume. And it's Robin. He says, hello, Clark Kent. My name is Robin, and I've come from the future. Oh, AC comes in calling him Clark Kent. Just like the Legionnaires, only six ish or can I have already forgotten? It's two fifty three, right? I said two fifty three. Yeah, so only only six issues before. Only six issues before another group of heroes came from the future calling him this. Maybe he thinks that uh, that Robin is going to invite him into a little club. Maybe a club called Young Justice. Who knows? Uh, but he says, that strange-looking clock. That must be it. And he says, clock. It's a cosmic clock with all the nine planets on its face. But never mind that. Tell me how you know my secret identity. He says, I'll tell you later after I've destroyed this clock. <laughs> and, some, and basically, Robin just sort of all of a sudden has a baseball bat in his hand. And uh, Superboy says, what? Stop. He says, and then uh, Robin says, wait, Superboy, please. I've got to destroy that clock now to save your life in the future when you're a Superman. When you are a Superman. Not just when you are Superman. When you are a Superman. Listen, I'll explain. In the future, when you are a Superman, your best friend will be Batman. Why isn't it your best friend will be a Batman? Uh, he says, "My part, you know, my, your best friend will be Batman, my partner. He and I wear masked costumes to hide our secret identities so that we can fight crime. And uh, they see the bat signal, and Batman says, The bat signal, they need us at police headquarters, Robin. And Robin's got to be like, Yeah, yeah, I, I know the drill by now. It's 1958. I've been at this for 18 years now. I think I know what the bat signal means. Um, and he says, so one day when Batman was out of town, I was flying to visit you, Superman, at your secret fortune, fortress, when suddenly, boom, there's an explosion in the fortress. And Superboy, and Superman, uh, he says, you, Superman, not you, a Superman anymore. We've moved off this. He says, uh, you staggered out and sagged into my arms. Robin, it was an old trophy clock. Got it from the Smallville Science Fair when I was Superboy. I didn't know it had kryptonite bomb inside. Oh, he should have known because he wouldn't have been able to see it. Oh, Superboy. Oh, Superman. Oh, I don't know. Uh, anyway, for all of us that don't know, Robin says, Kryptonite, the one substance whose radiation can radiations can destroy Superman. I've got to get him to a hospital fast. And uh, so he says... Uh, Doctors worked frantically to save your life, but we tried, Robin, but nothing helped. Superman is dying. It's only a matter of time now. Superman dying? Oh, no, no. Then suddenly, if only there was something I could do, when I remember, he says, if only there was something I could do, then I remembered the doctor's words. Only a matter of time. Time. I can go back in time to when Superman was Superboy and destroy that clock. Then the explosion would never happen. This first I strapped on one of Batman's utility belts in case of an emergency. Then I went to Professor Nichols, whose time ray had sent Batman and me into the past many times before. As usual, of course, 
superheroes of the 50s. Well, they were all about traveling through time because the space-time continuum matters not to them. Um, so yeah, he put uh, he put the utility belt on and Dr. Nichols sent him back to the time of Superboy. And uh, so Robin says, no, you know my why I must smash that clock trophy. And he says, but that clock, cosmic clock isn't a trophy. I built it myself as a gift for the science fair. I haven't been given a clock trophy yet. And he says, but you will be by someone who wants to destroy you, Superboy. But something will go wrong with the timer and the clock will destroy you in the future unless we prevent it now. I don't know, maybe it's just a long game. Um, he says, I've worked with Superman many times in the future, and so I'd like to team up with Superboy here in the past and see this case through. And Superboy says, I'm glad, Robin. Very glad. Uh, so they go off to... Um, they repair the clock and uh, and present it as a gift to, to Mr. Groff. And he says, many thanks for the clock, Superboy. Say, how come your friend is wearing a mask? And Superboy says, oh, uh, I'm training him to fight crime. That's why he has to hide his secret identity. Later, the three guest scientists give the audience their predictions of scientific marvels of the future. First, old Professor Wilcox speaks. He says, I predict that someday soon there will be jet-propelled airplanes that can break the sound barrier. My gosh, he was right. Um, then blind Professor Higgins comes up and says, I predict that someday man will split the atom. And finally, paralyzed Professor uh, Wolf. So we've got old, blind, and paralyzed. Um, he says, I predict man will soon send artificial satellites above Earth. And Robin says, gosh, Superboy, all of the predictions are true. When you're a Superman, ah, we're back on that. You'll see all these things happen. Later in the parking lot adjoining the exp exposition hall. Now, Superboy, with the aid of remote control television... We in the audience will be able to observe how you use your superpowers in fighting crime. Hmm, just like a drive-in movie. Hmm. Oh, I guess that's the, the referring to the way the screen is set up. And uh, it says afterward, as the crime fighters from the past and the future team up and begin their patrol, suddenly, look at that, that gadget. It's like a giant vacuum cleaner, and it's sucking that bank truck into it. All right, Robin, let's go to work. And yeah, it's a big... Um, sort of tank with a big vacuum edge on it that uh, that is sucking up this uh, this armored truck. Um, so um, it says as Robin holds out his clenched fists, Superboy gathers his titanic strength and hurls him like a javelin. See the fastball special invented by Dave Wood and Al Plastino. It's right here. Uh, so he throws uh, Robin at the guy and uh, flurry to the solar plexus, and he's out. He says, right on target. Uh, back at the drive-in uh, TV theater, the audience is horrified to see, no, look, it's Superboy being sucked into the vacuum. But with an explosion of super strength, Superboy erupts from the vacuum, and, uh, yeah, so he breaks out of the tank part of it. And he says, wow, did you see that? As Superboy handcuffs the prisoners, he is surprised to notice Robin acting furtively. He says, that fragment of metal from the, splash vac the smashed vacuum machine. My telescopic vision reveals it, it has a fingerprint on it. But why, would Ro why should Robin not want me to see him taking it? He says, hmm, now he's hiding it in an empty pouch on his utility belt. But why is he being so secretive? Why indeed, Superboy, why indeed? Uh, later, when the boys return the, to the science fair, here's a gift for you, Superboy. It's the robot we built for this exp exposition will hand you the trophy. Uh, our reward for capturing those bandits. 
and he says, a trophy, it must be the clock containing the kryptonite bomb. That they open it, and it's a bust of Superboy. It's not the clock, that will probably be the next trophy I get. The next one. It is a thoughtful Superboy who takes Robin aside. Robin, only a top scientific mind could have invented that vacuum machine, and certainly not those hirelings we captured. And he says, and Robin says, and the country's three top scientists are right here. Maybe one of them is a secret gang leader, and that's why he wants to destroy it with the kryptonite bomb. Superboy says, you know, basically, hey, which one? The, the blind dude, the old dude, or the paralyzed guy? So they uh, switch to their secret identities as, uh, as Clark Kent and Dick Grayson, and Clark takes uh, Dick home to the Kent house for lunch. And so Dick explains everything to them. He says, well, my parents were slain by criminals. Bruce Wayne adopted me, just as you adopted Clark when his parents on Krypton died. And they say, imagine that. And isn't it a coincidence that both of you boys turned out to be crime fighters? Um, so after dinner, as always, Clark helps with the household chores. And uh, so he's lifting, um, lifting up the table and chairs so that uh, Martha can sweep under them while Robin does the dishes. And he says, I'll have to tell Bruce about this the next time we dust our place. Yeah. Um, so then uh, Dick lends a hand in the Kent General Store. He says, uh, all right, Dick, let's start filling those delivery boxes. Hey, slow down. You're giving me an inferiority complex. And then they look, and there's a uh, um, flying battering ram that slams through these bank doors. And, um, and he says, another scientific crime machine. Better stay out of this, Robin. This is my kind of fight. And uh, so the battering ram hurdles at Superboy, and Robin tries to move out of the way. Uh, but, but Robin trips. And uh, Superboy tripped right into the battering ram, which knocks him out, knocks him for a loop. And he's, uh, but Superboy shakes the, off the terrific blow and propels, propels himself forward. He's going to meet the batter man, battering ram head on. That Superboy is amazing. Yes, he is a Superboy. Um, and once again, a Superboy takes the uh, hireling bandits captive. He observes Robin doing a curious thing. He's picking up a fragment of metal from the shattered battering ram. My telescopic vision shows that this fragment also has a fingerprint on it. As Robin puts the fragment in another empty utility belt pouch, Superboy tries to use his x-ray vision on it, but both pouches are lined with lead and I can't see through them. Why should Robin take that precaution? Why? After the hirelings are jailed, Superboy is plagued by his doubts. Um, so he says, so Superboy's thinking as they walk out of the police station. Is it possible that those are the fingerprints of scientists uh, who built those crime machines? Or, and, and did Robin take those fragments to protect him? Is Robin one of the gang? Did he deliberately trip me into the ram? Finally, unable to bear his suspicions any longer, he confronts him. He says, you can't fool me, Robin. You're in with that gang. And your scientist boss used uh, some sort of super scientific gimmick to materialize you in my nearest citadel. Um, he says, you're here to spy on me. And Robin says, no, no, you're wrong. He says, all those three stories you told me about the future and Batman, they're not all lies. You're not from the future, and there never will be a Batman. Or sorry, they're all lies, not that they're not all lies. They, in fact, are all lies, as he says. And uh, Robin says, isn't there some way I can convince you I'm from the future? Wait, maybe this will do it. Maybe I can prove 
who I am if I tell you some of the great feats you'll do as Superman. So in the future, when you're a Superman, you'll help farmers in a drought area by carrying a gigantic iceberg over their parched lands. Says the hot sun will melt the iceberg, and the water will fall like rain on the farms. Um, then he says, and someday, when a dirigible is uh, ripped up by a storm, you'll sew it up using wire cable as thread, and a steel girder as a needle. And one day, when a flaming building threatens uh, to set an adjoining building afire, you'll use your super strength to make a colossal saw. I'll just saw the burning building away from the others and then carry it off. And in the future, during a health campaign, you'll use your x-ray vision to help a hospital examine people for possible diseases. He says, and so we see him doing chest x-rays, and he says, This man's lungs are perfectly fine, doctor. So Superboy says, I apologize, Robin. Only somebody who's seen them would know I perform some of those super feats. But will you please explain why you hit those fragments? Uh, with fingerprints on them inside two lead-lined pouches. He goes, oh, those pouches are lead-lined because Batman sometimes carries radium in them for on-the-spot research. <clears throat> he says, in fact, the fact that there are fingerprints on them is only a coincidence. I took those fragments of super souvenirs to give to you in the future when your Superman is a surprise birthday gift. Well, it's not a surprise now, Robin. He says, so that's why you didn't want me to see them. Robin, I just can't say anything except thanks. So they go back to the science fair, and Groff says, Superboy, the scientists want you to have another trophy for the way you KO'd that battering ram. And so Superboy says, thinks, says to himself, hmm, is this, is this the clock? And you know, it is a clock. Um, and so they unwrap the trophy, and it is a statuette of Superboy. And he says, a statuette of you. And he says, not the clock. But when will I be given the clock? When? Later, as the disappointed boys again patrol Smallville for a uh, possible crime, um, suddenly, look, it's some kind of mechanical octopus. It's another scientific crime machine. Um, so they drop Robin out of harm's way. Uh, Superboy launches forward as uh, steel tentacles whip about him. Yeah, so this is a crazy um, uh, robot that looks kind of like the human bomb's helmet with a bunch of arms coming out of it. Um, so he takes one of the arms out and says, One down, seven to go. And a masked figure furtively moves. Ha! While Superboy is busy, kept busy fighting with my robot-controlled octopus, I'll escape with these jewels. And, um, but the bandit has underestimated another boy without superpowers, but with the power to think and act fast. And so, so Robin lassos him and says, Nice try, mister, but that's as far as you go. And when the sandpit is uh, when the bandit is unmasked, Robin, the boy wonder, stares at a familiar but younger face. Luthor, a young Luthor, Superboy. This scientific but criminal genius will be your greatest enemy when you're a Superman. And Superboy thinks to himself, "I've tangled with young Luthor before. If Luthor is the head of the bandit gang, then what motive would drive one of the scientists at the at the exposition have, or what motive would one of the scientists at the exposition have for destroying me?" Um, so they get back to Peacroft Stadium and uh, Superboy says the robot bring me another trophy strange this time not one of the scientists is around and Superboy says maybe because the guilty one doesn't want to be here when the trophy explodes hmm, maybe 
maybe. He says, maybe this time it's the clock trophy. So they open up the uh, the thing, and yes, it's the clock. Get rid of it, Superboy, get rid of it. And it's basically yeah, a big, an image of Superboy holding a big clock over his head. Um, so he throws it into space. He says, I'll hurl it beyond our Earth's gravitational pull, where it will float into endless space. Uh, swiftly, Superboy turns his X-ray vision on the robot and sees his enemy's face. And he says, Pete Groff, he hid himself inside the robot uh, this one time to make sure I got the bomb. And, and so none of the scientists would be blamed for it. And, he's, and Robin says, I'll get that character. But a, spiel, a steel fist batters Robin back. And Superboy says, that won't help, Groff. Your steel fist won't stop me. And he says, ah, but this will. A chunk of krypton I have kept just in this lead box just in case of emergencies. Superboy says, ugh, getting weak. Can't even stand. Um, as he slumps over Robin's inert form, Superboy uses his dwindling strength to est- extract something from the Boy Wonder's utility belt. He says, can hardly wait the miniature microscope now to make Groff turn his head, look back at me. And uh, so we see Groff running, and he says, Groff! And he says, what? Instantly, dazzling light beamed uh, by the microscope uh, mirror, uh, by the microscope mirror, stabs at Groff's eyes, and he's out, you know, he says, uh, can't see. Ugh. Superboy says that should hold him until Robin, uh, at least until Robin regains consciousness and removes the kryptonite. Later, Groff confesses, I intended to burn down my stadium to, for the insurance. Mm, excellent. He says, uh, to pay my gambling debts. Mm. Uh, but I was afraid that you'd investigate. So I rigged the clock to destroy you and the, and the building at the same time. I figured that one of the scientists would be blamed for it. Mm. And thus, with the future threat to Superboy gone, Robin begins his journey back into time. He says, thanks, Robin. Thanks for saving my future life. I'm, I'm sorry to see you go. Don't worry, Superboy, says Robin. We'll meet again years from now when you're a Superman. Goodbye for now. And he vanishes in a puff of smoke. And there we have it. That would be the tale of how Superboy first met Robin. All right, so I'm going to cut this one short again, guys. And uh, we'll, we'll be back up to full strength next week. We've got Darren at Dragon Con this week, so we'll uh, hear a little decompress from that. And I'm also hoping that we, that uh, Scott will be able to make it onto that episode so he can tell us a little bit about Fan Expo. It looks like he's been having a grand time there. He met more people with Orange, so that can only be a good thing. All right, so comments, as always, are welcome at Legion of Substitute Podcasters at gmail.com. You can join in the conversation on our Facebook page, which can be found at facebook.legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com. We are on the Twitter. We are LOSP Podcast. And in addition to all these things, you can head over to our website, legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com, where you can leave a comment on this or any episode. And with that, we make our way back into the time double. And we'll, you know, or maybe Dr. Nichols' little time chair thing. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Thank you.